0: We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy.
1: On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you'll get actionable business advice.
0: Hear stories from industry leaders. And share a laugh or two with us.
1: Fuel your passion for pharmacy.
0: One conversation at a time. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Key, president of Pioneer X, and today I'm here with my co-host, Marsha.
1: Hi, I'm Marsha Bivens, director of marketing for Pioneer X. Today we are joined by Breck Rice. He is the chief revenue officer for ServeRx. Hey, Breck.
2: Good morning. How, How are, are you? you?
1: I'm going to apologize up front <laughs> for the... the Do you have? I'm a f- not sure what Jeff has drank or <laughs> I'm going this sleep this morning, but...
0: Do you have a favorite dad joke? Dead joke. Yeah, you know what dad jokes are? They're corny uh, jokes. Do you have a favorite corny joke?
2: Oh yeah, I, I you you threw me there because I do know dad jokes, but it was I thought you said dead, and oh, I'm like, dead Man, jokes. we're really starting off. Very <laughs> we're starting off good this no.
0: morning. So, what, do you have a favorite dad joke?
2: The one my dad always said because he used to keep bees was, "Do you know why bees buzz?" Okay. Well, you would buzz too if somebody stole your honey and nectar.
1: Uh, okay.
2: All right. <laughs> that was that was my dad's joke. That sorry. was good.
0: That was good.
2: <laughs> I don't think uh kids these days use that term though. Necked? Necking?
0: What do you call a factory that just creates okay products? An okay factory? A satisfactory. factory. <laughs> Nice. All right. So welcome to the podcast. Yes. I know we're, we're threatening some podcasts to do, have everybody bring their dad jokes, and we'll see who laughs first. The laugh first is the loser. We came smile. You'd have to like, you'd have to like keep a totally straight face.
1: I could definitely do that.
0: It's probably a game that requires alcohol, so maybe not. I would say yes. But.
1: Because I'm over here shaking my head and going wah, wah, wah. It's not a
0: good day if you're not shaking your head at me. <laughs> pretty, pretty princess. <laughs> Got it in. I told you.
1: <clears throat> and that will be edited out. So <laughs> I know, you know, Jeff, um, mm-hmm. I've don't think I've been acquainted with you. So hi, I'm, and uh, if you've watched the episode, um, I'm Marsha Bivens on the that director. episode.
0: What was that? Was that the pretty, pretty princes episode? The, the-
1: Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. Uh, um, if you
0: watched a episode,
1: ahead, if you've watched the podcast, yeah. I we we definitely episode. gonna
0: have to do pretty pretty princes on the real.
1: What did you like smoke or drink or what today? Because you were on it. I'm oh, sorry. but hi, I'm Marsha, um, director I'm just, of marketing for. I just Pain seen Rex sparkles
0: and, and the and, and 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 twinkly. You know,
1: there's a backstory behind the pretty pretty princess <laughs> just, comment.
0: I just think that that would be that would be amazing. All right, well, Breck, well, um welcome Can to podcast put a, a crown just put a crown on she her needs a then... tiara she definitely yes. needs yeah. a tiara we should have a tiara in your office you're like
1: <laughs> i'm i'm good
0: i'm good i'm good so tell us tell us about breck so how did you yeah. uh and we're gonna do a rollback right so let's let's start with baby breck and and tell us tell us a little about your journey to where you are today
2: yeah, so actually here in Phoenix, Arizona, was actually born here, but moved away at the ripe age of three. Yeah. Uh, my parents were both educators, and they had their summers off and would take uh, trips up to nice. uh, Washington and Oregon. My dad's ultimate goal was to save up enough money to go fishing up in, in Alaska. And so one summer, they finally made it all the way to Alaska. On the way back down, they stopped off in central British Columbia, Canada and uh they went to to church there they're a good Christian family, so they found a little church on Sunday and met some people there and and uh uh they were also transplants from from the u s so that had come up from missouri and and talked my dad into buying a half section of land and what so is a half
0: section of land
2: eight hundred and eighty acres oh wow, wow, yeah, so they had uh they lived out um Kind of in the back then was was uh, farmland of of uh, Arizona down in the, the Sun Valley there um, between Gilbert and and Chandler that used to all be dairy farms and and cotton fields and and alfalfa um, and, and they lived out they on a few acres.
0: No, they were educators. Well, they were educators, buddy.
2: But he had about uh, 10 or 12 acres that they you know kept themselves as, as well and kind of family project we I know my older brothers and sisters I was too young they would actually raise raise calves for the dairy farmers so they would go get the the sucklings when they're just mm-hmm. babies and bottle feed them and get them big enough to sell them back to the to oh, the wow. uh, yeah. dairy I yeah. mean
1: you could still have a not a, an eight to five job and then come home and have a farm I mean I married a pig farmer and his parents had other jobs so like yep yep all
0: right so, so, yeah, so we had 880 thanks. acres
2: so sold the, the the little farm in in arizona moved up to british columbia canada right smack dab in the middle um about 60 miles uh west of prince george and if you look on a map prince george is right exactly in the very middle okay. little town called Vanderhoof, and. Uh, Uh, My mom continued to to teach school. She uh, actually started a private school up there because there were a lot of American kids that that would come and, and go to that school. Um, and that's where I went through elementary up until the, the fifth grade, got too, way too cold up there for my, my mom. She started to get arthritis uh, the first winter. Um, my dad got a dial thermometer, you know, one of those that looks like a clock yeah. and it only went to 60 below. And he came in and he told my mom, this thing's broken. It doesn't work because the, the needle was just sh shaving. It was shivering on 60 below and, uh, come to find out it actually gotten below 60 <laughs> like, and that's why. what
0: did we do yeah yeah,
2: yeah it was not a, a fun experience for my mom who's born and raised in arizona yeah. well so.
0: you i can see what happens you you're leaving arizona in the summer it's 115 right you go up in british columbia it's 75 degrees and beautiful and you're like oh this is lovely this is yeah, i found paradise summer, yeah. right yeah and then it comes and- And for those
2: six weeks, it really is like that. (laughs) (laughs) Six weeks of summer. And then, yeah. No, so it got way too cold. So they decided to sell all that uh, property, move back to the States, looked at at places in Arizona. By then, I had an older uh, sister who was married and and living in the central San Joaquin Valley of California. So there's a lot of farmland in central San Joaquin uh, near uh, Visalia, just south of Fresno. And so he bought some some acreage there and had just about every kind of of uh, fruit tree that you could think of, nut trees, had uh, different varieties of grapes, and it was kind of our our family hobby. Um, I uh, was was a de- deprived child, never got to work at a, a, a McDonald's because there was too much to do around the yeah. The, yeah. the farm, and and there's always you know, watering, weeding, pruning or picking, you know, you were picking fruit and we used it for ourselves. And then when we couldn't uh, couldn't use or can or bottle any more of it, then my mom would just call up all of her friends. All the church ladies would come over and they would pick and can and bottle. And, and uh, but it was fun because we had something that was tree ripe, Year round, we had like five different varieties of peaches that would come off at different times yeah. and ripen at different it's an amazing times. Amazing, so yeah, yeah, it
0: was, my, uh, it was awesome. My wife's sister I, used to live in Fresno, and uh, we would visit, and just the farmers market were just crazy good yeah. stuff.
1: That's one of the things that actually yeah. I admire about my in laws that they've got the patience to plant every. They, they I mean, they, they do their own tomatoes. Um, and some, a bunch of other things. And, uh, the new thing that they're dealing, that they're planting is, um, chili patine. And it's basically these really teeny tiny Texas peppers that you roll it out and you dehydrate them and then roll them out. And they make like a really nice, like sprinkle it on some eggs but don't get crazy because it will burn the back of your throat Yeah, but that's one of the things I do admire about them is that they've got the patience to do that and then like you said they, they'll pick off some and then make my mother-in-law makes loves to make salsa out of her garden so
0: I did a um, had a garden once and said oh we'll plant some zucchini and we ended up with like a thousand zucchinis yeah. and it's like yeah okay that's too much I'm not gonna and I guess, you know, and, and my wife grew up putting stuff like that up and that's probably wasn't yeah. gonna happen either. So that was the now we go to the grocery store. Oh, that was interesting. We um we visited uh where were we? We visited France and, and one of the things that people were saying there is that American vegetables don't taste as good as um, you know, that there there's much more of a culture of the uh the farmers market a lot Uh more of your groceries or farmer's market and they have a lot, they don't have to have the varieties that have to stay on the shelf for that are bred for shelf life, not for taste. Um, so I thought that was interesting. So that might, might be a reason. Uh, so I've thought about playing with like vertical gardening to try to, to get some different varieties that are actually for taste, not for, um, shelf life or color. Um, do you do any gardening now? You, 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 uh, Oh, a little salsa garden here or there and
2: and you know have a have a fig tree and and a couple of citrus trees you know whatever will grow here in the desert of Arizona but uh but yeah my uh one of my biggest complaints going away to college was uh not having all that fresh you know fruit and stuff right. available cuz anything that like um you know, I'd go to the grocery store and and get an orange, and and it literally was being sold as a as a you know table orange. We would have sent that to the juice plant. It would have been you know a coal that would have gone off and been made into to orange juice, and they were selling it as you know as a table orange.
0: Yeah. Huh. All right. So no? um, let's uh, fast forward up to college. You undergraduate in business, so you had a business deal going on there.
2: Yeah, I thought I wanted to actually first be a, a physical therapist, so I, my first two years was all pre-PT, so I was uh, doing all the prereqs to become a physical therapist, applied, um, saw the, the applicants, they were only taking about uh, 20 applicants, um, and I was one of 300 that applied, And uh, I knew I was going to sit around and and wait for another semester. And so that's when I switched over into into business. But that worked out really well for me. Ended up going ahead and and getting an MBA as well with an emphasis in marketing. And my uh, first real job right out of college was working for uh, British Petroleum. Uh, Back then, it was actually American Oil or Amoco. And... Uh, did merchandising for them, so I kind of learned used my marketing skills to to merchandise. My my biggest claim to fame is a a little uh, product that uh, they were doing a test sampling in Santa Monica, California, and and uh, they gave me a, a case of it to use. My territory was Utah and and uh, uh, Colorado, and they gave me a case of this product. It was a drink. Um, I took it back. Back then, I was running marathons and uh um so the oil company's uh,
0: making drinks
2: no, 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 this there, I was on the merchandising side, so I was bringing stuff into the sea still. oh, I got you
0: okay yeah, yeah you were yeah. you were you were helping the stores decide what they were gonna buy and sell in the stores all right i'm yeah. i'm I'm on track now I was like exactly. this is, this is not yeah. sounding tasteful <laughs> the oil company's making but okay
1: now who's now, the pretty so- pretty princess
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So so yeah, so I took this product and and I tried it, liked it, it worked for me because you know, after doing a training run of of fifteen, eighteen miles or something like that, you're pretty wiped out and yeah. you don't feel like, you know, going and cutting your grass. And I would drink one of those drinks and feel, hey, this is pretty good. I can go I can go do a couple of things now. So um I brought that to our category manager out in in Chicago. I said, "Hey, I've got this new energy drink." They're like, "No, we've we've got one already. We have that c- category covered." And I'm like, "This isn't like that other one. There was a drink called Hanson's energy drink. You don't okay. even see it anymore. Okay, but it ha- had this nasty aftertaste and and it was in a green, uh, you know, slender, uh, eight ounce little can, and just just it had a horrible aftertaste. I said, "No, this this one I think has some legs. We should try it out." And they're like, okay, we'll give you some shelf hangers. We won't actually give you shelf space for it, but we'll let you do the the pilot in your market. So I had 36 stores right along the Wasatch Front, and I put in ice barrels and shelf hangers, and I told all the CSRs, okay, you got to promote this because my name's attached to it. Right, yeah.
0: This has got to work.
2: We got to do something big here. And so we started promoting it and in 3 months it was our number 2 uh, best seller behind single serve so there were you know you can't count the 12 packs or right. yep. you know the 6 packs or whatever yeah. but single serve it was number 2 second uh, to only coca cola classic wow nice. and so they said, absolutely, bring it in. We'll give you some shelf space, and uh, we'll start to roll it out across the country. So I go back to the manufacturer. They were doing their pilot in in uh, uh, Santa Monica, California, and I said, listen, I'd like to bring this into all of our stores. And I'm like, well, we still want to finish up our, our sampling and, and here in, in California first. I said, but listen, what if I could get you into like 40,000 retail stores nationwide? Oh, yeah, we would be interested in that. Yeah, that would be <laughs> So amicos and BP were the first to roll out the uh, energy drink known as Red Bull.
0: Wow. Very cool. So yeah, so
2: Red Bull's kind of my claim to, to fame and getting that uh, distributed out through through the U.S. here. And um, uh, I, they used to send me pallets of it back really? in the day. If, if I had a, uh, you know, if I was doing any recruiting, you know, needed to to hire a bunch of, of uh, CSRs or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, I'd just say, hey, I've got a recruiting event coming up. What do you need? They'd give me ice barrels, give me product and kind of lost that uh, connection to the, the marketing people when, you know, uh, after transferring from. Uh, from Salt Lake to Memphis, I had a, the connection in Memphis, and then once coming here to, to Arizona, I've, I've kind of lost that connection. I need to yeah. call them back up.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think they're not independent anymore. Somebody bought them. I think
2: they're I, still independent.
1: Oh, you they're, think they are still independent? I was thinking somebody yeah, had bought
2: them. Still, uh, still ship it all over from uh, either um, Switzerland. No, where's it coming out of? It's uh, coming out of of, uh, I think Iceland now is a big uh, bottler of wow. it, but um, oh,
1: wow,
0: now there will be awesome. like 40. You walk in, there's like 40 energy drinks, yeah, all yeah. different kinds and flavors, and-,
1: and and some of them with a scary, scary caffeine content in it. Um, well, you got to do
0: something to differentiate yourself, yeah, yeah. But one of go. them
1: had like more than 300 milligrams of caffeine in it, and I'm just like, and and this person, god, love him. He drank three a day.
0: Oh. Wow. And I'm like... Well, I guess you build up a tolerance.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I guess, but...
2: Was, was that jolt or bang or something like that? Because those have a, a really it, high... Comp- it was
1: bang. Bang was what yeah. he had started. And then he switched over to something else. Because like... I, Because, I mean, every time I saw him, he had a bang in his hand. And I'm like, how much caffeine is in that? And I looked at it, and I was like, this is 280 milligrams. And then he switched to a new one. He goes, oh, I found a new one. I'm excited about it. And I looked at the can. I was like, dude, this is over 300 milligrams of caffeine just in this one can. And I'm like, how many are you drinking today? And he goes, Three Sometimes three, most oh, wow. of the time yeah. two. And I'm like, you're gonna have a heart attack in heart like attack. ten years. <laughs> it's gonna
2: blow up, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. Have you checked your blood pressure lately? <laughs> yeah. All right. He's so, a young kid. So So we went from uh there. Where'd you go next? So um
2: left Amico. I was actually transferring to uh to Chicago to take over a a jobber um program where you actually go help independents run like a corporately owned store out in, in the uh, Illinois uh, and surrounding areas. And I'd accepted that promotion. And a friend uh, came by one night and he had house flyers in his hand. He was looking to buy a home. And I said, listen, I'm about to list my home right here and, and, you know, we make you a good deal. And, and why don't you, you know, come see if this is something that would work out for you. And he sat down and started telling me what he was doing and he kept saying, we could do this and we could do that. What do you think you would do in this situation? I'm like, what's this we stuff? I'm, I'm going <laughs> Chicago. And uh, so he, he talked to me about this, this new technology he and his brother had developed to do um, frame accurate. Uh, um, uh, it was taking DVD content, so MPEG uh, 3 and 4 and be able to create a decoder that was actually frame accurate. So most decoders were, you know, 32 frames would go by, you know, so it's basically per second kind of a thing. And they could get it down to the very, you know, actual individual frame. And then they had wireframing that they could put over the content. So they were layering content over already existing uh, movies um, to be able to change the jar if you wanted. So, for instance, like... uh, uh, one of our samples was we took that big, epic um, sword fight in Princess Bride at the top of the cliff, okay. you know, where they, they're they fighting. And, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I have to admit, you're better than me. Well, why are you smiling? Well, I'm not left handed, you know, and he switches the sword, you know, that whole scene. Well, that was all switched out to lightsabers. So they were all doing it in lightsabers. And when he flicks his hair, his hair even flames up. And um, so oh, it was cool. just this fun, interactive content that was layering over. We got space at a community college to uh, to do uh, educational content. So watching movies like Saving Private Ryan, there would be pop-ups that would actually talk about the landing of Omaha Beach and and details that you could pause the movie and and basically do all this this research uh, from scenes within the, within the movie. Um so yeah so I left uh, Amico and and we did this little startup that was super fun um did a a, a bunch of media was uh, on both coasts uh, doing uh, I did the early show I did World News Tonight back when Peter Jennings was still alive uh, oh, Wow yeah uh, New York one um I was on Tech TV, if that's still a thing, I don't know, but there used to be a big cable show for techies. Um, uh, And then KTLA is the big one in the Hollywood area. And and so I'd gotten a ton of media exposure and even had uh, Larry King from CNN caught his attention. He was, um, he and his wife, Sean, um, they were, you know, Interested in the project, so they kind of came on to our advisory board. So now we could contact anyone we wanted. Larry just made one phone call. You know, he's like, "Oh, yeah. you guys need funding? Let me call Ross Pro." So he calls Ross Pro, senior, sends me down to meet with him and in, in uh, so Texas, cool. and one of my. Favorite days of my entire life was spending the, the day with Ross Perot Sr. Um, wow. up in his, his offices down in, in Fort Worth. Very hands on guy. His uh, yep. admin was trying to give me directions, and uh, he just took the phone from her and, well, you go on down the LGBT highway and you take a <laughs> left up to the creek. You know, I'm like, okay, he did really talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, just a fantastic, uh, interesting guy. His, his office was like a museum. He had a uh, a really crude looking ring that some POW had made while in prison camp. While he wow. was out working in the fields, found little pieces of ore or whatever that he could melt down and make this ring. And he had um, he had one of the original hand copied uh, versions of the of the Bible. Oh, um, wow! Yeah,
1: oh. yeah. I wonder if that this,
0: stuff's in that. You know, there's a Ross Perot Museum here now and. In, uh, and I wonder yeah. if that stuff's in there.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Be worth a look.
0: Yeah. One that came yeah. from his personal collection.
2: Yeah. 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 Amazing. Amazing story. So, so did he invest? From... He didn't because he wanted to get uh buy off from the, the director's guild. So he made a, a call to uh, Jack Valenti, the head of the, the motion picture association and, and, um, um, uh, Jack set up a big meeting and got his director's guild together and I went down and, and presented to him and, and, um, got to meet people like Rob Reiner and, and others have actually been spit on by Rob Reiner. He was so close in my face <laughs> yelling at me that spit was He was yelling at face. you.
1: Oh, okay. They
0: didn't like
2: the yeah. idea. They didn't like us messing with their artistic expression. You know, he right. didn't want swords turned into lightsabers. And, you know, we used some James Cameron footage where, you know, um, Jack from uh, the Titanic was right. laying out on the on the deck looking up at the stars and the battleship cruiser flies over. We were kind of <laughs> Star Wars geeks back yep. then. So, yeah. In fact, the company was Trilogy, Trilogy Studios. Um, so... We got caught up in a big lawsuit, uh, not because of, of uh, uh, copyright or anything like that. It was just literally the directors not wanting their vision uh, changed, and so uh, they just kept, you know, deposing us and deposing us, ran us out of out of money, and the the, the whole project got put on the shelf. Um, huh. Never did never did launch. I'd gotten a ton of media exposure from that though, and even. Um, um Columbia University had me come back and speak to to uh, one of their departments about you know uh creativity and and art forms and stuff like that and, and, and parodies
1: uh, i mean that's it's it's interesting because now that is like so big in in today's um social media culture um yep. you know you you talked about jack from titanic and i i actually saw one making fun of it was it was basically building up that their Titanic 2 and they took um Kate Winslet and um Leonardo DiCaprio with some of their other movies like his movie The Beach like showing him washing up on shore and passing out and they're like he made it he's alive
0: right so it was like it was a it was a video meme right they were doing video it, memes well
1: it was trying to lead up to it was it was it was made into like to look like a movie trailer for Titanic 2 yeah. And like, because they did another. So you were just together. before your
0: time. You were just ahead of your time. We we yeah, were. I obviously. mean, that was still back.
2: That was still back when there were blockbuster video stores. You know, mm-hmm. you'd go rent a, a film, watch it the way you wanted to, take it back to Blockbuster, mm-hmm. unaltered, unchanged. I remember. Those Netflix days. Netflix was just getting started. They were still sending yep. you three three CDs. discs at a time yep. in the mail. Yep. Yeah.
0: All right. So where yeah. did you go then? So we we put that up on the shelf, and you got some media exposure. What'd you do next? So a, a a
2: company that was thinking about investing in us out of Memphis, Tennessee, had seen all of that media exposure. They talked to the 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 president of the company and said, hey, this guy out there in, in you know Utah of all places may be a good fit to come in here and, and help us with this new healthcare division that they just got in, in, involved in. Um, so the the company was Kim, owned by Kimmons Wilson, the owner of Holiday Inns. And okay. uh Kimmons started to uh to venture out and do little you know, he started getting into buying properties and and that were not associated with the hotel industry. And then that got him into a little investor group that wanted to get into healthcare. And they bought this little third party claims processing processing company that they wanted to grow. And so the the president of the of the company reached out to me. I needed a job. I said, Great, let me fly over to, to Memphis and see what you guys are doing and and they were in this little strip mall and had all these people packed in this little call center thing and I, I was just like, Man, this this is this place is in shambles. I don't know if I want to go work for them. I'm I'm leaving this big, you know, ten thousand square foot uh, incubator space that a university had given us where you know my office was meant to be a a, a conference room, so I had oh, wow. a full conference room table and and desk and i'm going to the, to see this little cubicle they wanted me to put in to start this whole new community pharmacy division I'm like, community farm what's a community pharmacy? I knew nothing about the industry um but they saw something in me, and they said, yeah, I would like like to have you come and and start this whole industry so wow. um I needed a job. I moved out there um uh, back in two thousand and three uh to Memphis and uh started working for a third party claims processor that was helping community pharmacies uh get a fair reimbursement on specifically their workers' compensation claims. So if you think about it, all the different plans that are out there, the payers um that are for you know, employee benefits and everything, uh even Medicare uh, you pre-enroll into those plans, right. so you know everyone's eligibility during, you know, at the very start of it during mm-hmm. the enrollment period. But with workers' comp, it's a little different. Every uh, employer has to carry it for their employees, but you don't actually get enrolled into the program until after the injury happens, okay. so there's this three or four day uh, lag before it's even on file with Liberty Mutual or Travelers right. or Hartford. And so this little third-party company steps in and and takes that risk off of the community pharmacy. Go ahead, take care of those patients. If they've been hurt on the job, take care of them same day, no hassle, no delays, no Mm -hmm. out-of-pocket expense. So pretty easy program to go sell to community pharmacy, say, hey, sling that headache over to us. We'll take care of it pay you up front whether we collect or not. And so we had a really good, good run in, of adopting and bringing on all these community pharmacies. We had one competitor that started up, um, ironically out of Utah where I had just moved from Raiders. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, 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 and even the, um, one of the, the board members was like, they thought I was a spy from that company. You know, you brought this guy from Utah. I was like, I don't even know who these people right. are. i yeah. never, never met him in my life, but, um, the Wilson family grew it as much as they could. Then they brought in um, pri- private equity, actually uh, uh, a company that wanted to also get into healthcare themselves. They were in banking uh, industry, Pfizer, the financial services company out of Wisconsin. Okay. They came in and and decided they wanted to do healthcare, and so they were buying up these PPOs and and other programs, and and they saw you know this third-party billing piece as being a good fit. And then uh, then they brought in private equity and still kept a minority ownership in us. But the Wilson family pretty much just just sold sold off. So we had a few name changes. And every time I'd show up at an NCPDP meeting or NACDS or NCPA, they would like, OK, what's 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 the name of your what's company name now? now? Yeah, because it had gone from, you know, a third party solutions company to, you know, something with the Fiserv name in it. And then finally, a, a big private equity came in. And so we changed the name again. Um That gave us enough capital to go buy our competitors. So now we've merged those two companies together and had an office out in in Salt Lake, which made it great for my summer vacations because my wife's family is all from that area. So we'd take summer trips all the way from Memphis to, you know, those 2000 miles would drive the kids all the way across the country back to, to Salt Lake. They could hang out with their cousins and their friends. Uh, for the summer, and I'd work out of the, the Salt Lake office uh, during those, those summer months. So that worked out really well. Um, when you have that much of, of a focus of all the first fields coming into this funnel of one company um, and taking care of all these out-of-network, um, right. self-insured employers, that becomes pretty attractive to the big PBMs, the big uh, pharmacy benefit managers. So Mm -hmm. we started to get on the radar of those folks and uh, they could see how they could make millions and millions of dollars by funneling all of that into their own networks. And so that was kind of the direction that that uh, that they were going. Um, I saw the writing on the wall. I hadn't signed up, Uh, you know, in 12 years that I was there, I made some wonderful friends in the industry. Um, yep. You know, working with PSAOs and buying groups and working with individual, you know, small chain owners and mm. and even larger chain owners and, and just made some really great, great friends that became family to me. Yep. And now I saw the direction of where this company was going and I'm like, man, I, I can't go to the dark side. I just can't right. do it. And, um, and so I left and, um, my going away present was a TRO. Have you ever had one of those before? They're really fun.
1: Um, yeah. What? A, 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 what?
2: Sheriff, a TRO. TRO. A, yeah. Temporary restraining order. You oh, haven't had I one you. of those? No, I haven't <laughs> had one of those. No, a sheriff's deputy shows up at your door and knocks and has a whole thing of uh, papers there to hand you. And, and they basically put a gag order on you so that you can't go tell all your friends in the industry hey you remember those those fifty, sixty, 60 those 90 dollar reimbursements you used to get from us well now they're going to be like 3 or 4 dollars are you cool with that yeah oh
1: yeah, wow so
2: that's what the gag order was all about so huh. so yes yeah, so um i had to to honor that and and uh, after it ran its course uh we just built the very same Program that was in place before that's completely independent of any PBM, um, any private equity. We, we built the new and improved uh, third party program, which we call serve Rx. And we've been running this company now for about 13 years. Oh, wow. And and working with uh, with community pharmacies all over the country. And it's getting harder and harder because those PBMs keep, you know, uh, forcing mm-hmm. people into networks and they keep bundling those networks. And as yep. we start to, to talk about, you know, true transparency in, in PBM contracts, you know, you, right. you talk about those gag clauses. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was clear back in 2013, 2014, somewhere in that era. That was before the gag clauses got removed out of even the pharmacy contracts. So that didn't happen until 2018, right? Okay. It was. Yeah. So up until 2018, uh, a pharmacy a pharmacist couldn't tell their patient, "Yeah, I, mean, I know you have a copay here of 34.75, but you know the cash price is only twelve dollars." They couldn't. They couldn't tell a patient that they were contractually obligated to collect their. You know, collect that copay uh, to make mm. the the pharmacy benefit manager billions yep. of dollars. Yeah. So that was 2018. That finally got removed. I think the next big opportunity for true transparency is getting that unbundled. Unbundle those networks because they're yeah. not the same. It is absolutely not the same to process a Medicare script or a healthcare script as it is to process a workers comp. It's not the same program and you can't treat it the same.
0: Right. So, so serve is doing workers comp with pharmacies. So can you Correct. explain that, explain that how that, how that would, so, so I'm a pharmacy who doesn't know anything about what you do. Tell me, tell me how that works.
2: Yeah. So, um, we step in as a third party, uh, claims administrator for any patient that walks in and says, um, I got hurt on the job. For any patient that walks in on crutches or arm in a sling, you hope the staff, you know, says, hey, God, what happened to you? You know, and you ask a couple of questions because they may not even know their rights as an injured worker. Um, So we step in, give them a BIN, PCN, just like any other payer plan. Uh, that they can use as the default processor. So on that day one, most patients don't have uh, any kind of a PBM card or anything to even give the pharmacy. So um, they now have our BIN PCN, doesn't cost them anything to to set up the plan. Um, we're contracted with all their PSAOs, so they're probably already under contract. Um, if they're not, then they just do a, a claims assignment agreement with us, but it doesn't cost them anything at all. It does cost them probably about fifty or sixty dollars if they don't use us, because that's how much more we're reimbursing them than the PBM contract. So, so how
0: can you how can you re- reimburse more?
2: Because we bill at the state fee schedule. So whatever the state of jurisdiction, wherever the injury occurred, we then bill at whatever that state has established. So the state industrial commission establishes what the 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 um, You know, usual and customary reimbursement is for that NDC in that state based on the fee schedule. So we bill at that and pass that on to. In most cases, it's like you know, 85% of of whatever that fee schedule is. So we we have this little 15. We never get that. We usually operate off of like a six or seven percent. Um, margin after collections because we have some bad debt in there. But we guarantee them that payment upfront. They get it in 30 days, even though it may take us 120 days, uh, six months, two years to collect on that. We've made the pharmacy whole uh, upfront. So, yeah, it's absolutely no cost to them, but it's a cost if they don't use us. right? Um, and so, that's why they do, they do like to and use us. And so, this. the other
0: PBMs that are doing that- Maybe the X company you work for, they're paying based on their normal PBM rate, and they're pocketing the difference between that state rate and what they're paying.
2: Yeah. In workers' compensation, it's anywhere from 80 to $120 that the PBM is putting in their own pocket. So the pharmacy that, that uh, bought the medication... That has the the staff. That has the overhead of a facility, electricity, everything. They get four dollars. The PBM gets a hundred dollars.
0: So how is um? So how are pharmacies inadvertently using that other PBM today?
2: Well, they're they're held hostage by that PBM. If you want United Healthcare, if you want those sixty four million lives in United Healthcare. You're held hostage to take all of their networks. So you're gonna take Optum, you're gonna take Catamaran, Cypress Care, Timesis now, they bundle it all together, and you're you're stuck in that contract if you want to take United Healthcare.
0: So so the, the patient comes in, let's say a pharmacy not using you guys. The patient comes in, they have um they have an injury and they just put their normal their normal insurance card down. And then their insurance company figures out that it's workers comp and builds a difference out trying to understand the other scenario.
2: Yeah. If, if they don't have a third party processor, the pharmacy either. Yeah. They could, um, inadvertently put it through their health plan, but, but they're not supposed to do that. So if it's identified as workers comp, it's got to go to a different bin and PCN. And so, um, the, the work comp, um, uh whoever the employer is whoever's employer's TPA third party administrator or PBM is it's their responsibility to get a a card out to that patient that's injured so they can bring that work comp card
0: to okay, the pharmacy. Okay so so I am the employer and you were injured and I say hey here's our workers comp Ben and PCN and and you use this. Yep. Okay. So they come in with their Ben and PCN from their employer. Yep. I have to take that one.
2: If you're in network with them, if you're contracted with them, if you're a self-insured employer group that just says, here, use this bin PCN, and you walk into the pharmacy and the pharmacy looks, they can look up in their system and say, oh, we're not even contracted with this employer. That's when you need a default uh, processor like, you know, like uh, our program in order to process that. And then about a third of all uh, workers comp ends up being a self-insured self-administrated, uh, plan. Uh, so, you know, so you're going to need us for about, you know, 30% of all work comp claims, regardless if you're in every network, just because it's self-assured, self-insured, self-administrated. Um, but for, you know, for that other two thirds, you know, the other 70% of, of workers comp, eventually you're going to find out Oh, it belongs to express script. So oh, it belongs to, you know, catamaran or, or, you know, whoever one of the three big and express was the very first one to actually cancel their, their, they had a separate work comp network and then they had their express comp. So back in the olden days, when we were sitting down and contracting with, with pharmacies um, back at my Memphis company, you'd tell them, Hey, listen, you I know you've got express grips. And back then I think it was Medco was their big, uh, a payer, um, but you'd carve out Carve out that rider for workers' comp because you don't need it. So we got enough pharmacies that were carving that out, saying, "Okay, we'll take the health side and Medicare side, but we don't want the work comp side." The express scripts got smart enough and said, "Well, let's just cancel that network, bundle all those patients right into to our other, um, you know, Medicare network, and make a few extra points." And then everyone said, "Oh, wow, what a genius idea! Let's do that." And so that's why. You have, you know, PBMs that make 130 some odd billion dollars a year and they don't even own the drug.
0: So if the employer doesn't have offer health insurance to its, its customers, right? And, and and let's say they went out and had to bought, in, bought insurance on their own. They don't have the workers comp. So if an employer is uninsured um, or if the employer's insurance is out of network, like self-insured, they just have a health administrator. So, like, uh, I think we're self-insured, but Blue Cross Blue Shield administers it. Um, yeah. That would be um, – so, so, how does a pharmacy figure that out? Is there something you do to help them figure that out, or or they just have to know, hey, I use this Ben and PCN if they're in one of these cases?
2: We, we figure that out for them. So, if they don't – if it's not identified that they're in network, they just send it to us. We verify every claim that comes through the door, so we know exactly – who that payer is at the end of the day and um uh you know back to your dad jokes jeff you know it doesn't matter how much money the pharmacy makes or how much they lose at the end of the day you know what you have you have night uh, There's, going back to your dad yeah. joke there Literally you go brought it
0: home <laughs> like
2: that no but we figure that out for them and let them know I right, hate this is, this now belongs to, or we've identified and verified this claim that it now is, you know, X, Y, Z payer that you're, you know, that you're in network with. So we, we do that for them.
0: So how do you get your word out? What, what percentage of, in, of, in, of pharmacies, independent pharmacies use you today?
2: Uh, about 20,000 that, uh, that we're contracted with. We may. You know, actively using this. Maybe it's uh, you know, ten to fifteen thousand pharmacies. Not every pharmacy sees workers' comp. They may not have a, a patient for you know two years, and then one comes up, and then they're scrambling to figure out uh, you know who do we who do we have to process this. So we attend all of the the national conferences, make sure that we have a presence there and staying in front of people. Um, and then we've launched during uh, during COVID here. We we've launched other consulting services to stay relevant with our community pharmacies so we we launched this this uh, roundtable we have one coming up today here in a couple of hours uh, we call it a community pharmacy new revenue roundtable and we've partnered with these amazing companies that bring you know either new technology um, new products that the pharmacies can be be offering to generate new revenue streams wow that's that, cool that's yeah, that started during... Is this
1: like virtual ahead. or are they invited to like actually come to location?
2: Do it all over, all over Zoom. Yeah, okay. we just do a virtual roundtable.
1: Interesting.
2: Um, We have, you know, a hundred and some odd people uh, signed up for today's to, to go through... Um, and we're starting to talk about all these new clinical services that they should bring uh, bring into their community pharmacies. We have partners that will help them get credentialed so they can actually get fair reimbursements for those services. So like most people have adopted um, you know giving flu shot, but if you give a flu shot as as a pharmacy and submit that to United Healthcare, you're going to get $23, 24 dollars for that. But if you're a credentialed provider, and submit that flu shot, you're going to get $120 for it. So we help these pharmacies figure that out. Here's a way to maximize your reimbursement and get treated as a true healthcare provider Uh, because the big payers see pharmacists as, you know, they're kind of the the second-rate citizen, and so they throw it over to the pharmacy desk and they treat that differently as out-of-network. But we help them get in-network as a clinical service and that all started with with COVID. So we have COVID to thank uh, to. Hey, you know, you need to get involved in testing if you want to stay, you know, survive this. You got to start testing. You start need to start administering vaccinations. Okay. Well, now it's not just. It's not just COVID, you know, somebody has a respiratory virus. Well, you should be testing for that, too. So now there's these combo tests that are available to them where they can test flu A, flu B, RSV, COVID, all in the same test. Um, and then it just expanded from there. We found this, um, this technology, the very first of its kind, that um, has has achieved the not only patented but the FDA approval uh, to be, so now that's important, right? Because now yep. if it's approved by the FDA, we yeah, can now hard bill to do. for that. Yep. yeah But it's this medical device that does this amazing thing for patients where it, it increases their, their basal motion their circulation by 30%. You're getting more oxygen and nutrients at the, the cellular thermostat. level.
0: They turned down the thermostat. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, if you hear a sniffling, it's because it's, it's like, cold in here. <laughs> it is okay. cold. I'm like in I'm hearing. thinking
0: my blood's moving. I'm- yeah, yeah, which is why, why he's good.
1: extra. All right, so keep going. Sorry. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah.
0: So we had this advice, and what's it look like? What's it do?
2: Uh, it's uh, it's a small computer um, that has two ports on it. Uh, one has uh, imagine a um, uh, like a, a really high end yoga mat, Okay. the yoga mat okay. has coils in it. Okay. The patient lays on that and gets this this improvement in circulation all through their entire body. Um, or there's attachments where you can do spot therapies. So like if somebody's got a rotator cuff, you just put it right on their, their shoulder and, and okay. focus on that area.
0: Is it magnetism or what what's it what's it putting through bio, the body?
2: Bioelectromagnetic energy. Okay. Bioelectromagnetic energy. First of its kind to of get FDA approval. Professional athletes have been using it for years. The San Francisco 49ers are advocates. They use it. The Diamondbacks here in in Phoenix use it. A lot of pro athletes, Mike Weir, uh, Phil Mickelson, um, the list is like super long. And who invented this? It's a German company. Okay. Out of of Germany. German engineered, Swiss
0: design. um, And so y'all are are marketing that in the United States? Is that- not. We're just introducing it. We're ah, introducing
2: it to okay. to to uh, pharmacies to set up these these health hubs because there, there's actually the th- this whole program, this new health hub that can compete with Minute Clinics, with the Village. You know, you saw that Walgreens just uh, uh, spent uh, what eight point nine billion dollars on on health systems to compete with Minute Clinic. Our independent community pharmacies will blow them out of the water. Both of those minute clinics, they're still looking at, at health care, at, you know, treating the smoke. Oh, let's take yeah. care of the smoke. They're not doing anything about the fire. And we see technologies that are actually preventative. They're actually getting in there to the cellular level. If you try trace back to where disease states come from, over ninety percent of them come from where? Come from inflammation and poor circulation. And stress. Ninety. That's over forty thousand diseases come from that microcirculation area. So you have these patients laying on these med beds. It's another uh, company we bring in the the BioLite guys. Yeah, like, we
1: we've had them on the podcast.
2: Yeah, the the patient walks out of that session totally electrolytes one hundred percent at par, mm-hmm. hydrated. Floating on there, the, the the med bed gives them an increase in ATP, that's energy in your cells. Um so they they feel euphoric. They, do you do you like looking,
0: the do you like the biolite? I know you're gonna say uh, yes. Which is your favorite flavor?
1: Yeah, Sorry. what's your favorite uh, flavor?
2: I think it's the berry. The I think berry. it's berries okay. my favorite. Okay. The the uh the melon is growing on me. It was a little strange at first, but yeah, I think berry's my favorite. Berry, okay.
1: I think melon was yeah. the one that I tried. That was at, a little um, strange.
0: Maybe we'll have to try that, berry.
1: Yeah, maybe we have to try berry. So cause... what's the
0: name of the mat? Up oh, see, he's drinking it on yep. drinking it on screen.
1: <laughs> yep. Is that
0: the melon that you were drinking? No, that's the berry. That's the berry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Berry. So they're all different. They have different strengths of electrolytes and different flavors. So we'll have to try a couple of different ones at yeah. the show. So what's the name of the mat?
2: So it's Bioelectromagnetic Energy Regulator. Okay. But they just shortened the acronym to B E M E R, Beamer
0: beamer okay
1: yeah beamer. i thought about it the yeah. one that um we saw in london it was it was um there was a uh, salt the salt rocks in it that they were using as also the heat pad cuz you could see in it and it wasn't electrotherapy like what he's talking about yes yeah, so this electromagnet the is, is yeah, there any heat is...
0: or anything in addition to the electromagnets just just period i'm not feeling anything
2: yeah people will uh, um uh, express that they feel a, a warming sensation, but that's probably just because they had horrible circulation and now blood's yeah. flowing. Um, but it, the technology is so advanced that that uh, there's a collaboration with NASA right now to embed it into the astronauts' spacesuits. Oh yeah, because they could stay in uh, zero gravity longer. You know, if you stay in zero gravity too long, you get sick, you get space yeah. sick. Yeah. You need that gravitational pull. And this is being built right into the into the suit now. The athletes are using it for recovery, right? So if right. you have a really hard game, you built up a bunch of lactic lactic acid, or or you may even have micro mm-hmm. fractures. You know, if you're a quarterback that just got hit over and over and over, you know, um, Tom Brady, uh, he uses that device. <laughs> yeah. um, it actually heals those micro fractures as well. So uh, the studies are incredible. Most of them come out of the the you know out of uh, mm-hmm. Europe. Uh, Because they're using it over there in the hospital systems. They they put it in babies' incubators Hmm. over there because of the, you know, uh, um, preemies, because of of how it it helps with the whole regeneration of cell growth and everything. But, you know, why did it take 20 years to get FDA approval here in the U.S.? Because FDA approval
0: takes a long time. We see a lot of stuff. uh, We try to go to one international pharmacy show a year just to kind of get out of our box. And get a perspective yeah. about what other people are doing, and, and it's
1: interesting the the different the um, products and services that are being offered in other countries that just haven't made it through FDA approval yet. Right here, like but
0: they're like, yeah, we want to offer in the United States, but FDA yeah. is just going to take time, mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And so, yeah, it's interesting um, how that yeah. gets yeah. gets reformed. All right, so if people want to learn more about how they might <laughs> attend these roundtables or something like that, yeah. where do, where do they go? Yes, yeah, so we always
2: post them on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a big uh, communication yep. channel for us. And so there's an event uh, page on on LinkedIn that talks mm-hmm. about the, the Community Pharmacy New Revenue Roundtable They can reach out to me directly uh, as well. Um, uh, a lot of people know um, my uh, superhero that works for me, Jessica Jones uh Je- you know the jessica jones series on netflix um, Marvel, yes superhero i, I was uh, sitting
1: there going hmm okay
2: how do, how do i know that name yeah, yeah. No, she I works, was like she i
1: don't can i can i meet her do i can i get her autograph is it the actual yeah. jessica jones <laughs>
2: She she works for us, and so um, a lot of people know her. She's very a- active on, on LinkedIn, and and uh, that's where we mo- may s- mainly put out the event, but now we're starting to get the PSAOs to start communicating it out to their members and the buying groups that communicating that out. You know, there's one other technology i got to tell you about, too, because okay. it's not just all about, hey, come in here for this, this session to lay on a med bed. Yeah. But, I mean, we're talking about, um, a- a- you know, doing – Pharmacogenomics and actually deprescribing medications because we're finding so much about, um, you know, especially in our elderly, about mm-hmm. drug drug interaction or have you found that, a payer
0: that... though? You know they, we've been talking pharmacogenomics uh, pharma non- for yeah. a while, but it's it's been hard finding a payer.
1: Right.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. We're starting with Medicare um, with our elderly. Mm-hmm. Um, we're starting with that as the the payer. I say we uh, collectively because it's all everyone's doing it. Each. Yep.
0: So Medicare pays for that now.
2: They they they're paying for it as long as there's criteria, right? It's got to be in you know either a psych drug or a heart medication, the patient has to be on, you know, three or more medications. So there's criteria that that have to fit for it to be gotcha. medically necessary. You know, necessary. Mm-hmm. And then then their PCP can order that as a as a necessary. Or, you know, um I launched this little campaign about um scary drug facts. And it's gone, it's gone viral. And so I get people asking me all the time, oh, my mother just got put on this medication. You know, what, what should we be concerned about? And I'll go look up the, what all this, you know, from the manufacturer, what are the the listed side effects? And that particular one, you know, had the basic, you know, could have some stomach aches. You could potentially have diarrhea, constipation, just some of the the common Norma. things yep. in, in medication. But then when I looked at the drug-drug interaction, the list was like 150 drugs. I'm like, it's not the side effects that it's going to kill this lady. It's, she's probably on three or four of those other medications. Mm-hmm. You know, right. that's what they need to be looking at. So yep. there, there's, there's yeah. got to be a, a good, happy medium for payers to go ahead and pay for that test because it shows us so much into right. what that patient can metabolize and what they can't and then what those drug interactions Absolutely. are. Absolutely, We have a, a technology that presents that they, they take your normal blood CBC and lipids test and they run it through an AI software that starts to show markers of areas where you may have future problems. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how incredible is that to know, hey, you're going down this road. Let's turn the corner before you get there, Yeah. Um, you know, in, in well, a, a
1: disease and, state. And to case in point that um, I did a pharmacogenomics test just for fun. And it turned out that, that you're
0: a pretty, pretty princess.
1: <laughs> it did not say that. Um, no, but it there was a prescription that I was on, and it said that I was. It, it said you're a rapid metabolizer of this specific drug, and I was like, I'm actually on that drug. No wonder it only works for thirty yeah. minutes.
0: Right. And so yeah. if I
1: if I had not taken that test and gone to the doctor and go, yeah, it's not working. What's plan B? She probably would have just increased my dosage. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Parents that have kids that they struggle with that are on ADD medications yeah. and things like that. Uh, this tells them so much. I mean, this has been a lifesaver to a lot of parents where they mm-hmm. just couldn't figure out the right, you know, uh, biological help yep. for yep. for their for their child until they got you know until they got that DNA test done. Uh, so much can be done with with the technology. We have another technology partner that comes in and does uh, mobility. Uh, virtual mobility. Um, it, it it gives you a score. So like, okay. if you're, you know, it tells you these basic exercises to do you know, lift your arm over your head, and it shows you the it's picture how addition. to do it. Yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe you can only go this far. So it gives you a mobility score. And then the AI tells you what exercises you need to do on a daily basis to get to full you know, range of motion, you know, some really cool technology that we present to these, these community pharmacies. They can bundle it all together. They can partner with this health hub. The health hub has got the coolest name in the world. It's it's the fountain of youth. Yeah. Uh, um, the 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 one bioelectro um, machine has been proven to extend life, and so that's where that name comes from. Hey, if we can extend life, this is the fountain of youth. So it's FOI, F O Y for the fountain of youth, FOI therapy. And these these little health hubs can be just dropped into anyone that has a uh, they have any clinical space, you know, at their community pharmacy. And the when they're credentialed, the revenue that this little health hub can generate for them. It's like twenty thousand plus a month a month in additional revenue that they're missing out on, and that's why
0: they need to come to our round table and learn about it well Breck wow. our uh our th- our uh, thermometers banging at negative sixty below, and oh, we're, we're out of time <laughs> I, I was getting shamed
1: for bringing a blanket um. in here
0: <laughs> you were oh
1: uh, but yeah it's it's been a pleasure yep, we, it's been nice meeting you
0: hour. so enjoyed the time and uh Look forward to uh, now uh, touching base when we see you at NCPA and NACDS and catching up on what's yeah. uh, what's current. And maybe we'll make one of your little roundtables at some point. Yeah, so I was I was
1: gonna say I would love to get an invite to yeah. uh, one of yeah. the roundtables and um, definitely uh, get you get your product get uh, X at um, Catalyst Connect yep. this June. Yeah,
2: so. yeah, absolutely. And what what do we need to do to just get? Just uh, OEM embedded right into Pioneer RX. Reach will just have our bin and PCN right there in your software.
0: Yeah, i will talk about that. Yeah, and, and see what that, um, how that would help them. Um, we also have a switch, so there are a lot of some things that would help. That's kind of the question around, you know.
1: That's why he was driving what? so many questions because his brain was like, "Well, no, uh, the, you know, I if we're already connected at
0: twenty thousand pharmacies, yeah, um, but we'll have yeah. follow up. Send me an email. We'll have follow yeah. up and see. Uh, it doesn't seem like that'd be hard to do. So." Mm-mm. All right. Yeah. No. Nice meeting you.
1: Thank you. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. you. Bye bye. All right.
0: Bye bye. Bye now.
1: Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.